Have you ever wondered how many of the products that you use on your farm are developed and brought to the market? Growers across the United States are always looking for products that will save them more time, make their lives easier, and be more environmentally friendly while helping to contribute to the overall bottom line. On this episode of FieldLink, we sit down with Patrick Ewan and Greg Smith from the Helena Products Group as they discuss what really makes Helena products different from other products on the market. We will discuss everything from the product concepts to formulation technologies and what the future pipeline looks for products at the Helena Products Group. Plus, we'll catch up with Jody Lawrence in Nashville for a commodity update. When it comes to water use management for your field, it pays to be sustainable. ResGenix is a water use efficiency tool designed to help manage water efficiency, mitigate erosion, runoff, and soil moisture evaporation. This flexible product is a great fit for both irrigated and non-irrigated crops as it's labeled for both applications. Contact your Helena representative to learn if ResGenix is a fit for your farm. And welcome back to FieldLink, and we're excited today to have a couple guests with us joining us in the FieldLink studio here in Memphis. Joining us is Patrick Ewan, and Patrick is the general manager for the Helena Products Group. Patrick, welcome to FieldLink. Thanks, Bill. Great. Also joining us is Greg Smith. He is the director of innovation and development. Greg, welcome to FieldLink. Thanks, Bill. Well, guys, it's great to have you both here today uh, in the FieldLink podcast studio as we talk a little bit about a term that gets thrown around a lot internally called HPG, uh, which stands for the Helena Products Group. But before we talk about the Helena Products Group and some of the products and services this group delivers to growers as well as nurserymen and landscapers from around the country, let's talk a little bit about you guys. Patrick, where's home? Bill, I... uh I guess simply put, I'm a Razorback. I grew up in Arkansas, a little farm community in eastern Arkansas, uh, over there on the White River, a little community called Clarendon. So uh, agriculture's been in my blood for a long time. Uh, Great, great field to be in, and looking back on it, it wouldn't change it a bit. Great. So you grew up over in Clarendon. Where's Clarendon in Arkansas? Oh, it's about half, if you take Memphis to Little Rock, uh, probably halfway uh, in between the two, on, off I-40, about 20 miles. So it really sets between Brinkley and Stuttgart, Arkansas, there on the White River. So, uh, Patrick, tell us, growing up in Arkansas, attended the uh, University of Arkansas, correct? I did. Razorback, true and true. A razorback, and you got a new assistant coach now, right? Yeah, we, we definitely do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, has experience there. Experience in... Uh, Motorcycle riding. Pro- pro- proven experience. Proven. Yeah. Well, excellent. So we're looking for some good things to happen there with the Razorbacks this year <laughs> as we took a look at 24 for sure. But uh, tell us a little bit, you know, after uh, graduating from the University of Arkansas, what was your journey there? Yeah, as I said, you know, ag's really been in my blood for since I've known what it could be. But uh, graduated college, and I guess while I was going through college, spent some time scouting and then kind of morphed into more of a consulting agronomic role. Mm-hmm. Did that right out of college. Really enjoyed that piece of it, wanted to learn more, spent a little time in the seed business, and then spent uh, about 23 years in the basic manufacturing side with a major player across the globe and selling crop protection. Okay. Uh, and that was all prior to joining Helena eight years ago. Eight years ago. And and you worked really a- across the nation in that role. D- different capacities, different yeah. roles. Got a lens on a lot of different things from sales to marketing to business development. Spent some time on what I call decision precision ag on the digital platform and mm-hmm. how that could help our growers make better farm management decisions. Got a passion for that. Uh, so not just looking at the agronomics or the products that they're buying, the seed, the fertilizer, but looking at the data side of it through a digital lens sure. and how it can help them improve their overall farm productivity. So before you know making that transition, you actually called on Helena at our corporate office as well as several other locations. I did, you know, and enjoyed it. They were a wonderful customer. Uh, really, if if you go back to it. It's really where I got the understanding of what Helena Products does and how they're different than, than maybe some other companies' uh, proprietary products and, sure. and how they go about it. But really was intrigued at what they were doing and, and overlay that with a culture. I knew it was a, a good fit 
sure. for me and looking at the organization. Great. Well, definitely a different perspective. And, and, and Greg Smith, you know, joining us as well, a director of innovation and development. Greg, uh, welcome back to Fieldlink. And Greg, where's home? Where'd you grow up? Originally? Yeah. Well, Canada, actually, so right yeah. above uh, Montana, Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan, okay. Yeah, grew family up on, farm. Okay. Yeah, 4,500 acres, dry land, grain farming. But what kind of crops did y'all raise? From durum wheat to soybeans. No, no soybeans. No soybeans. <laughs> no soybeans. A little farther north up yeah. there. <laughs> we had some lentils and pulse crops. Uh, we had actually had a crop, canary seed okay. uh, for birds. We had spring wheat, but some canola, but only when we had moisture, obviously. So. Right. Wow. And Greg, uh, then tell us about your journey, you know, after uh, growing up there in Canada and Saskatchewan. Yeah, college. And then actually we were going through a drought in the dryland area. You know, the thought was to maybe come back and farm and, sure. and do all that. But I graduated and my dad said, you better find a job. And hopefully that summer internships that you used can help you out. So uh, I kind of got into it right after that with uh, working actually in the retail side as a sales person out of retail. So okay. spent a couple of years there and then kind of kind of worked up to like a branch manager kind of, so to speak, and then kind of got into on the retail side on wholesale fertilizer. So oh, wow. spent okay. most of my career kind of doing that and then kind of moved to the U.S. with fertilizer. Okay. And then you worked with Helena in yeah, Arizona Helena. and California. Yeah. I had basically the Western U.S. covering that with H.J. Uh, Baker. Okay. So kind of Worked that whole territory and kind of my customer was Helen and every all, all the distributors, but kind of found myself um, hanging out with those guys. And next thing you know, I'm here 14 years later. So Wow. Well, great. Well, it's awesome to have you both here today and hearing a little bit about your background, how you've a unique position where you had the opportunity to work outside the organization and then really and work with them as a customer and then transition into the organization, into a leadership role. Let's talk a little bit about the Helena Products Group. Patrick, you mentioned earlier that working with lots of distributors in your previous life, the HPG or the Helena side, just it, it just felt a little bit different. Tell us what your thoughts there. Well, I, I would say this. There's great folks in ag all across the country. I think if whether it's suppliers or customers, growers, uh, just there's a different culture in ag. I think generally speaking, they're just good people that want to make a difference. So certainly great people across the organization. I guess the hell on the folks were just uh, very relatable, mm-hmm. uh, very focused on people. Not only, you know, bringing in good people into the organization, but growing their current people. And, you know, I always looked at the tenure of employees across Helena that were 20, 30, 40 years and still contributing, you know, still were motivated uh, when they came into work to make a difference. And uh, that all really centered around the people aspects of the company. And... um, I don't know. That's uh, it's just kind of one of those things. When I thought about coming on board, it was everything was uh, just pointed to yes, you know. Sure. Uh, and I think it was just the culture that that brought me here. And I knew a little bit about HPG uh, from some of the innovation I had worked with them on on some fungicides and some some seed treatments. Mm-hmm. And, and Greg, kind of similar situation in your case too, right? Yeah. It's you know we have this I guess. Statement, people, products, knowledge, uh, you see it all the time. It's, it's on a lot of our corporate legal sure. documents. Everywhere we see it, it's advertising. It's, it's our kind of our motto. It's really a culture, actually. So sure. the people side of it and the knowledge, but it's the people that actually brought me here, and that's what keeps me here, too. So, Well, guys, tell us a little bit about the difference, uh, you know, our growers that are listening. What's the difference between a Helena product, Helena Products Group product, versus some of the other products that are out there on the market today. What makes it really different? Well, I, I can kind of tell you my perception versus coming in, working with them, trying to understand mm-hmm. it. When I uh, really thought of Helena products initially, I thought, okay, you know, they've got some adjuvant technologies. At that time, I don't know that I knew. I knew what an adjuvant was. I knew what a surfactant was, right. but I really didn't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought maybe they had some private labels and some different nutritional mixes, and I really did not understand the innovation that actually was going into their products until I got over here firsthand. Wow. 
And Greg, what are some of those innovations that I, I guess really, in your opinion, separate HPG from some of the other competitors in the marketplace? Well, I think a lot of it is is how we do it. it it's it's really in house. We're taking stuff. We have a lab. We have an RD team. We have a team of brand managers. So Patrick's right. It's 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 completely different. We'll we'll take stuff and use our formulation technologies that we have in house. Some are trade secrets, some are patents, some are other things. But typically what we're trying to do is finding products and we're trying to make things better. And first off, we will look at something that, that's interesting and usually it comes from a field and technically it likely comes from a grower and a grower talking to one of his sales folks and says, hey, I, I have an issue. I have an agronomic need. So it stems from an agronomic need. A new product concept comes in hey, can you put this and this together? Does one and one equal two or does it equal three or four? Mm-hmm. We have a lot of technologies that we can kind of work with, but typically we'll, we'll go through a two to three year testing period to make sure that it actually does what we say we're going to do. And and ultimately it has to provide an economic benefit and an ROI to that grower because if it doesn't, that's where you know our shop is a little bit different. We're just not making the same product. We're trying to take that product, and you know we hate to say it, but just it's not as simple as just value adding it. It's we're trying to enhance it, put our stamp on it um, here at this shop, and and that's what we're trying to do. I think you bring up a great point. It's it's more than just imitating another product or a generic type of product out there. Yeah. We're taking great molecules from really good suppliers that are in novel chemistry in a lot of cases. Yeah, and you know, it's not saying that they're not good. It's right. it's they're they're meant for they're trying to do something on a global basis. Right. We're we're potentially looking at maybe a South Delta product that, you know, spans out and maybe it goes through just uh, the soybean acres here in the United States and it could only have maybe 10 or 12 states and that's it. And that's where that product stays. Right. That just doesn't make sense for a basic to develop a product and enhance that thing for that base and put millions and millions of dollars into developing it. We're taking something that they've spent all that money on and, and maybe tweaking it a little bit and making it better for those those acres in those ten states that we potentially have a have have in our our fold with with Helena and looking for other growers too as well, right? And I think it all goes back to uh, you know really identifying. You mentioned earlier listening to that grower, and our, our best ideas typically come from our grower, our customers, our sales force yeah. from the field. Yeah, it's typically all of them. You know, yeah. If you we've we've done this as a little bit of a case study, and you look at our sales and look at what we sell at. HPG here, it's it's ninety percent of the the products that we're selling come from the field. And yes, we have companies hitting us every day, telling us that they've got a unique product. And um, but it's it's fitting that need. And most of our products that come in, we'll maybe find some from there and put something together. But it's it's the idea comes from the field for sure. Patrick Grigg said something earlier too. You know, some of these products that are being developed at the uh, with HPG. They certainly provide value, but they're not always going to be the cheapest uh, product on the marketplace, are they? You know, when you think about value, right? Value costs something, but but it's very very important to look at the re- return that the uh, customers getting. You know, and I'm thinking about what Greg saying here, and he and I've had a lot of discussions. And over time, you know, growing up really in the the basic manufacturing side of the businesses, you know, they spent a lot of money to discover active ingredients. They make really, really good formulations. Uh, they're door looking more at a global view, blockbuster type like products, and, and they're great products. Mm-hmm. And, and we distribute a lot of those. But the thing that was very, very interesting about Helen Products is, it, I'll be honest, I thought maybe, you know, sitting on that side looking over here that, okay, then they want a brand name, they want to get maybe a positioning statement, we'll take our products and put sure. the jug and and... Helena takes it and sells it. It's so much more extensive than that. You know, for example, some of the first fungicides that I had had the opportunity to, to look at with Helena products were taking two very good actives and putting a fungicide activator with it that Helena had acquired from a technology provider and um, very made it very different. Mm-hmm. And it's a really good discussion to get into 
with a customer because you know, I could tell you I've met with a lot of growers that I've known over time from relationships that I've had and and their understanding of what we're doing it's sometimes very different you know I may get the question oh you guys are doing private labels or you're you're doing a generic but when you really get down and talk about changing the formulation for example we've got uh, where we move a formulation to an acid formulation, and we make it more active, and therefore it stays in the soil longer or, or it, it has better activity on a, on a particular plant or, or weed. And you explain that to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing that, that we do, the probably the simplest form that I can say, and I know Greg and I, Greg's got a really good example around uh, a, a local brewery, but... And, and that does relate with a grower. I think we ought to bring that out here. But, you know, right. one thing I tell a grower is there's a cost-benefit, you know, where a basic is looking more broader, trying to figure out, okay, what cost do we put into it versus what benefit can we bring the customer? And I, I do want to say they, they do that very well because right. their products are good formulations. They perform well. We're able to take that and say, okay, what what more could we do? Because we've got a different route to market. We're talking about a, a smaller base. Mm-hmm. We're talking about looking at the areas that that product may not be as stellar as it could be. How do we fill that gap? How do, yeah. how do we take something out, you know, and put in to get better performance? But we're not just looking at improving them. We're looking at enhancing them. We're looking at how do they work when you combine them with other products? You know, what new features can we put into them? They do cost more to make, but we give a better return. But we're not going after every grower in the market. Right. You know, we, we're a distribution company, and uh, we've got great supplier partnerships, and we want to sell their branded products. But there are areas that w- we feel like we can enhance products. And it's not just chemistry. We're doing this with biologicals. We're doing it with, with adjuvants. We're doing it with nutritionals, seed treatments. So it, it's really trying to bring the best product portfolio to our customer by really turning over all the stones that can bring additional value to to their farm. I mean, that's, in essence, that's what we do. And, and I think it's important for listeners to know that it's, an HPG product, really, at the end of the day, it, it you jump in here, Greg, but it's about how can we make that grower's life easier and how can we make his or her crop more efficient. Yes, because it all starts with, with them. They're the one that's going to ground truth it, and ultimately, they're the one that will set that value. It, it really, if they don't pay for it, they're, they're going to set the value. And, and there's, like Patrick said, it's this This isn't for everybody. This is There's growers that specifically want to push yield every year. And to do that, sometimes you have to do something a little different than what you normally do. And... These are boutique. We kind of, you know, Jennifer Bear kind of came up with that word, but it, it holds true, and it's it's not as simple as that. But you know, we're we have the ability because we're so small and nimble that we can tweak and and make this very very specific and make sure that that formula is right. Whether it's a nutritional or a VAP or a seed treatment, we can do that versus someone that's looking at a global product. It's not fair to the basics for yeah. them to have that. We're, we're, we're looking at something on a microcosm sure. compared yeah. to them. Well, and Patrick touched on it. I think when people think about the Helena Products Group, a great analogy is view us a little bit like that really awesome microbrewery that's in your local yeah, community. I, I, think, I think that's a great example. Greg and I have talked about that. How, how do you relate that? Mm-hmm. Uh, to a customer that maybe is a, a beer drinker, I don't know. Yeah, Greg, yes, Greg yeah. tell, kind of tell that, that. Yeah, it's it's you know it's the same same thing. You know, it's hey, we all Coors Light, Miller Light. You know, it's it's everywhere. It's it's doesn't matter where it is in the world. You you can you know you, you can, can get a you can get a Bud Light anywhere. Right. But you know you can't get a you know hey we're here in in Memphis so uh, whether it's a Ghost River or wh- whatever you you know right. they're they're here in town you know it's right. the, your local guy whether it's hey we mentioned it the other day spotted cow in right. Wisconsin right. you know uh, great beer but guess what uh, it's not the same prices <laughs> it's not the same price it's got a little different twist and and it's marketed different it's marketed for that area you, i can't get spotted cow you 
right? basically got to be in Wisconsin area to kind of right. get it right. So it's it's a little it's specific for that for that region, and they're small. They get to do things a little different. They it's 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 that it's we're you know that that specialized ag company, and and we're bringing those agricultural products and needs that come straight from whether it's you know Clarendon, you know right. it, it, Stuttgart. Uh, doesn't matter. It's it's from from whatever little town that you're in. That idea generates, and we can take it and potentially um, and formulate it and put it together, and put it back into that little marketplace. Guys, let's talk about the evolution of HPG. First off, I think it's important for listeners to know that Patrick, how long has the Helena Products Group really been around? That's a well. Let's talk about the evolution of Helena and coming in. Sure. I, I think yeah. you know just. You know, in in the market I grew mm-hmm. up in, I, I can think my father would would buy from Helena. You sure. know, they've always been known as a really solid retailer distributor, mm-hmm. uh, where you could go and get your crop inputs. And we're really, really good at that. We've got good people, and I mean, we're all about servicing the the customer. So I don't know the exact date Helena Products started. I'd love sure. to probably go back and look at that, but I know it it stems back into early stages of the company when we right. were developing adjuvants. Uh, so back in the 70s yeah, or so. Yeah. You know, it's you know, been around a while. You know, one of the first uh, leaders in adjuvants, that's really where HPG got their, their start. And, yeah. uh, you know, guys like Johnny Roberts were a part of that, uh, still still involved with the, the, our team here today. Just, yeah. uh, you know, Bill, I say all the time, we're able to do what we do today because of what folks did that came before us. But, you know, one thing that I find whether you're talking to growers or consultants, it's, you know, especially where we're, we're very prominent, you know, take the southern market. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're known as a really, really good retailer distributor. We've got competitors uh, that fall in that, that same camp. But when you get down to talking about product portfolio, uh, there is still a perception that, you know, that may be a distributor or retail portfolio. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really good to get out and tell our story, right? how we're different. But, you know, really at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter what we say. It's just when that grower actually uses the product and they have a good experience with it. Right. And they can see actually that it is different. It's not the old proprietary portfolio that maybe the perception mm-hmm. is. It's really adds a lot of credibility to what we're doing. And, it, uh, you know, when somebody says, you know, that's, Probably the best product I ever used. Maybe the best soybean herbicide I've ever used. Your guys' biological formulations are, are wonderful. It's very encouraging to hear that, and then you get to tell the story because they've experienced it, and you can get them to look at more products. So, how would I sum that up? I mean, I think we're the best distributor retailer out in the market. I think we've got the best people. We service and growers top of mind, but if Anybody wants to look beyond that and really look at a product portfolio that is very different, that is really taking, remove the non-functional components from some formulations, could be water, Mm -hmm. uh, could be inerts, and really put stuff in there that makes the product different. And it's thoroughly tested for a couple of years to make sure it actually is going to do what we say it's going to do. Try our products. Uh, Visit with us. Let us tell you our story. We want to learn more about their farm, what they're experiencing. Maybe we can tailor something precisely to a specific uh, crop that they're growing or soil type or weather pattern. It's just uh, it's it's really comforting to know that to come in that you've got people in the organization that are motivated to do that every day, and that that's what makes us different. You bring up a great point about the difference in the people and some of the products and we're not the old, I guess, as you mentioned, proprietary, it's, you know, Hey, it's our stuff with a different label on it. It's far beyond that. And, and Greg, how is that changing? What are the demands? You know, we go back to the history of the Helena products group being really a global leader with adjuvants, but we're far more than that. Patrick hit on it. It's the biological space. And, and, you know, he was just saying, asking grower what they need right now, you know, biologicals, it doesn't matter whether it's a biostimulant. We've been in the biostimulant business for 20-plus years. Yeah. But this biospace right now is, I call it the, the gold rush, and, and, right. and it's confusing. 
It's there's a lot of products. There's a lot of products on the that a grower is getting hit with. He's getting bombarded, uh, whether it's through advertising or he's hearing everything about this. It's the buzzword, and I think it's that's where we're looked to. I think that's where Helena Products Group is looked to. That's where our salespeople look to us. That's where our growers look to us as we need to come with the knowledge, and the knowledge is a product that works. Help us sort through all that chaff and find the grain. There's something in there. That's our responsibility. It's our responsibility to our customers. It's our responsibility to our sales folks. And Patrick said, we're looking at products two to three years. We're testing them side by side, making sure they work. Because ultimately, one bad experience with something and someone goes, no, you guys, that stuff, you know. So we have to be able to stand in front of somebody, whether it's our customer or our sales folks, and say, this is what you should be using. We've tested it. Haven't tested this other one. Don't know about it yet, but here's here's what we are working with. Confidence. Having the ability to stand in front of your grower with confidence and say, hey, this is what what you could be potentially using. Um, Right now, we're in this space on the biological side going from integrated pest management to sustainable pest management. Mm-hmm. Um, synthetic products are growing at 2 to 3%. Biologicals are growing anywhere from 12 to 15 to depending on the year, 20%. But I think it's 2030, 2040, there'll be an equalization of synthetics and biologicals, right. uh, biocontrol products, biostimulants, and there'll be exactly the same amount sold. So it's that sustainable pest management and using in combination with synthetics. And it, it's it's going to be a road to get there. And right. it's, and it's uh, um, we're going to have to change mindsets. We're going to have to change growers, um, sea bug, kill bug, seaweed, kill weed, you know, disease, that whole see it, spray for it. More of, hey, potentially going to have to have an actual plan of how we're going to spray and having a rotations and, and using combinations together versus, hey, we're just going to go at this timing, and if we see some more, we'll maybe hit it again. We may have to do things a little differently, and it's, right. it's going to come with that. But I think that gets back to us being able to provide that information and, and ground truth everything through our shop with actual science and data. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, and I, I think to Greg's point, I mean, if you look in the... Uh, biostimulant space. We've been a leader in that space for, for 20 years. We've worked with the best technology companies around the globe. So we've got a lot of experience there as this, this transition and evolution continue to impact our marketplace. You know, and, and one of the things that's, I guess, always, it's there and I think it's really important for growers to understand is while this area of biologicals, for example, is is, is pretty new it's not new. As you mentioned, we've been around 20-some years in this space, but it's getting a lot of energy, a lot of hype. Uh, I mean, with current farm bill conversations, you know, it's going to be continuing to increase. The one thing that's always stable is Helena has to – we're fortunate enough to have a distribution system where we've got retailers and we've got people that are living in communities that are servicing growers. They need to have the confidence in these biologicals because these are the same people that are going to church, that are coaching their kids, that are running their 4-H clubs. They have a vested interest in know that these biologicals can bring value to that grower because they got to face them every day. Every day. And that's that's what it gets back to is, is having that confidence. And, you know, Patrick said it, the ag side is the best people in the world as far as I'm concerned they're they're down to earth they're relatable you meet some of them and you can form a friendship in 15 minutes with them you know it's that but at that same side is these small communities you if you're going to say something about something and actually sell somebody something you want it to work and you're likely friends first and the last thing you want to do is sell something to somebody and and it doesn't work. Well, so. I, I bring that up because you know there's a lot of products that enter the market that are I'm going to just call it the flavor of the day we're not selling the flavor of the day. We're selling something that's going to be stable and be a part of a system. Yeah, I, I think I think you mentioned biologicals in that space. I think it's with our portfolio. I mean, you know, one thing we talk about with Helena Products is our strategy's name is Evolve. Mm-hmm. You know, one pillar of that is focus on trust. You know, and I think about our, our people out in the local community to interact with, with their customers, our customers, every day is what they say matters. And 
their customers trust them. And when we put a product out there, we need it to perform. And the more trust we have with our people, trusting us internally that can go out to their customer externally, whether it's a biological or, or one of our portfolio, and it really gives the customer a good experience, that helps give us momentum to continue to innovate. Uh, so really trust is, is everything because those people are not only our customer, they're our friends, our kids go to school together, they sure. go to church together. We want to be a pillar in that community, right. and we are in, in, in most communities that we're in. You know, one of the unique things, uh, in addition to obviously the trust and the people side, is when we think about Helena Products Group, where we've really separated ourselves from a lot of other uh, distribution types of companies in this space, is our formulation technologies. Uh, Greg, can you speak to our audience a little bit about the formulation technologies and, and really what kind of makes them very different and enhances some of the products that, you know, we talked about earlier. We've got quite a few formulation technologies. You know, I'll just use VersaShield. Sure. You know, and we were just mentioning biologicals. And, and we've got a product called Inertia. It's a soybean seed treatment. And it's with VersaShield technology. So it just protects that enzyme. And it's a, a patented product that, that we licensed. And it's just protecting that enzyme once it goes into the soil. So we have a number of products like that, whether it's Moveo technology, which is uh, an adjuvant co-formulation product that we've patented and, and we've got some trade secrets around it and putting that into products. So we have a number of those kind of formulation technologies that we use and have at our disposal and our lab folks are able to use to to get this done. So it's back to what Patrick said, it's that differentiation right. of that product, which could enhance that whether it's a biostimulant, biocontrol, or just a straight AI, a fungicide activator, whatever that potentially could be. Um, you know, we've got Solvex. So it's taking, you know, some herbicide activators and, and doing something on that side of it. Same kind of, kind of concepts there. Yeah, and I, I think uh, formulation technologies are key. And I think, you know, even beyond... Performance in terms of yield, you know, we're always asking ourselves, does it save time in the speed of mixing? Does it save time in being compatible? Does it foam less? Does it save time by eliminating uh, multiple applications? You know, so we're always looking to really take the complexity out of the things that can save our growers time. I mean, if right. you really look at, at what they experience on a day-to-day -day basis and everything they're going on, if we can make their life simpler, easier, and then offer them products that give them higher producing crops, we make a difference. You know, and, and something that, that uh, you know, growing up on, on the basic side, spending so much time there, it's uh, Greg and I have had, we get to interact with many of them in the chemistry space, and we talk about formulation technologies. And, you know, before you really know what they're doing, you know, do they really take that in or does our customer really mm -hmm. take that in? But I'll tell you one thing that really hits home is Greg's team does a lot of R&D. Right. Uh, he's got a whole group of PhDs that uh, work with third-party PhDs around the country. And we put our products out there under a Helena Marabini number. Mm -hmm. So the one performing the test really doesn't know what it is, but they're putting it up against what's the best in the market. If it, if it's if we can't make it better, then we don't launch it. We've got a wonderful distribution business with a, a wonderful partnerships with our suppliers. We'll we'll sell their branded product. But if we can make it better, then it fits HPG. And what really makes us smile is when you have some of those folks that are so good at discovery, so good at building really great formulations, and they go, what are you guys doing? Mm. What, what did you do to that? Because we'll share the data. Sure. You know, what, what did you guys do different? That's when we know uh, we've really made a step change in the performance and, and some other things, you know, it could be Absolutely. mixing, foaming, compatibility, tank mixing with other AIs. That's when I know we can look to our R&D and our chemist folks and go, uh, thank you for being motivated to make a difference because that's a great product. Because it's really, Patrick hit on it, it's not always sometimes, you know, more bushels, more X, more Y. Mm -hmm. Foaming. Yeah. 
mixability. You know, we, we sell a lot into the northern business unit, the northwest uh, area, freeze. Yeah. <laughs> Being able to store store that product. Can it store? Can it actually get on a truck and travel? You know, uh, can it stay out overnight? Do you have to bring your product in? Um, during the planting season in Montana or South Dakota, sure. North Dakota, it can be 75 degrees one day and, you know, 32 uh, or 29 the next morning. So, you know, having Flotech and being able to take that product that maybe doesn't work that great, but then we put some products in there for help it come out of the jug mm-hmm. so it doesn't freeze, flowability, and changes it. And now that provides a value. It goes into that grower's sprayer, whether easier, faster. And right now, with the amount of acres that these guys are farming, the last thing you want to have is is a problem when they're um, filling up their spray tank yeah, and doing something. Definitely. Yeah, and I, I think to Greg's point, that th- these are things that are cause a lot of complexity, but they're simple. And, and they're the things that a lot of uh, formulators take for granted. And when you're able to fix that problem or prevent it from happening, it's huge. And they're the very things a lot of times that the market misses. Yeah, I I think it's like anything, you know, whether it's a boat or a car that you've driven and you go, what what was that guy thinking? (laughs) Why why did he not make that cup holder just a smidgen better? Was he not thinking about the actual end user? And, and you know, or or whatever, and I think a lot of that has to be the cu- if you make that customer's life easier, and ultimately, if you're focused on that, and sometimes you can't be focused again, you got to be global, and that's right. why that car manufacturer maybe didn't do it because it's global, right? But us again, we can focus exactly on our customer and our customer's needs potentially because guess what, that freeze or didn't go into solution or had an issue if you. This product, I love it, but man, is it tough to use. Well, hey, if we could take it and make it better for you, I'd use it more. You know, it's it's an issue. Same thing. That's all we're really doing, breaking it that down that simple. It's taking those ideas from that grower, from our salespeople, going, if we could do this, boy, it would make our lives easier, that grower's life easier. And if you do that, guess what? Greg, let's let's expand a little bit on the research and development that Patrick talked about. You've got a team that they wake up every day and think about research and development yeah, for Ellen products. There's, like Patrick says, we have five uh, PhD that are contracting third party research. We're spending you know four plus million dollars on on third party independent research. Again, back to that trust, Pat Patrick mentioned it, and ultimately. Going to to the field, making sure it works two to three years uh, worth of testing, um, replicated trials, and if it works, great. If not, we we move on and, sure. and go to go to go to what's next. And or it's maybe it's back to the drawing table in the lab. It's it's uh, it's it's that that kind of a process. So you know we're I think last year six hundred trials, forty two forty two states, and that that's typically every year some. Some states have more than others, but you know we're we're trying to get that across the United States. So we know that it's not just hey, it worked in our backyard, or right. it's uh, we've kind of ground truthed it across uh, across the U.S. And we're not talking just farmer side by sides here. We're talking hardcore research and development. Yes. PhDs are really digging in across those forty-two states and hundreds of trials, like you mentioned, yeah. Yeah. and statistically evaluated, right. Know. You know, if we can't make a statistical difference, you know, we talk a lot. We, you know, we'll think we've got a great product. It's as good. That's what's in the market. But, you know, we, we've got wonderful suppliers that we distribute product for. You know, if it's as good, let's just keep distributing their product. You as know, good doesn't work. Better. Yeah. yeah, yeah. As good is, is uh, we're going to stay with yeah. brand, you know, and, and do that. It's there's We have to be significantly better back to patrick's point and when i say significant it's research significant uh, better so yeah I'll, I'll give you an example we uh back to the chemistry space we we've worked a lot of pre-emergence type products and and many times we've got a great formulation and statistically it was as good so we'll keep distributing pre-emerge we finally did have some breakthroughs and you know whether it's selling a hell on a product 
in that space or distributing one of our partners' products, uh, one thing that I'll put a plug out there that I think's got tremendous opportunity to grow with our customers is the product called Grounded. Okay. Uh, it holds that pre-emergence uh, in the soil line to to really prevent germination of certain weed species. And it's real interesting. We've worked with a lot of different researchers, uh, not telling them what it is and use grounded versus non-grounded. And uh, nine times out of 10, they'll call back and go, tell me what's in those three to four trials. What's different? What did you guys use there? It's grounded. And it's it's making a huge difference uh, on our customers' farm in terms of weed control with pre-emergence. And I think you bring up a great point. There's a lot of wonderful herbicides out there that work for growers. A product like Grounded added to that tank mix can make them even look like rock stars. Enhancing it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, our salespeople and the good agronomy background they've got go out and we've got a whole stable between our partners' brands Mm -hmm. and what we offer here at HPG to fit the weed spectrum. But talk about what Grounded does and how it makes a difference. And, And then... You know, our, our guys and gals most of the time know what weeds are out there on their farms and the customers, but then place the pre-emergent with that. Right. Uh, but, you know, for our listeners out there, if you haven't tried a product like Grounded, I, I would certainly look at it to see what you think about it on your farm and get experience with it. It's, it's a tremendous product and, and huge, huge upside in terms of, of, of enhancing weed control. Well, and I think you said it really great. Those researchers, independent researchers that are asking those questions, how did you take this product that's really a, a good product, herbicide, and almost make it better and across a wide spectrum of herbicides? So whatever herbicide you're using, you may want to start off with Grounded or at least have that conversation with your Helena Absolutely. Rep. Greg, uh, as we kind of uh, wrap things up here, it would we would be missing a lot if we didn't talk about the future. What does the future look like in terms of pipeline as far as future developments and products? from your team's perspective? Well, currently we're, I think we have 80 to 86 uh, products that we're looking at in our pipeline uh, from nutritionals to biocontrol products to uh, value-added products. So yeah, the pipeline is, is, looks really good. Potentially we're, you know, we, we typically have been coming out with anywhere from three to four products a year. And we look like we could have, you know, five to six this year coming out, but Pipeline is is really 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 good, it, it, and a lot of biocontrol um, right now. Um, it's it's kind of the the big big push right now um, side of it. So that's that's going to be likely a, a focus in the next couple of years. But nutritionals, lots of nutritionals too, as well. So that biostimulant side, it's really pretty balanced too. When you, when you think about what's in the pipeline coming forward, you've got a lot of well, adjuvants you're looking at. You've got a lot of seed treatments. It, it's a wide perspective. Yeah. It's, you know, we have a production versus protection um, side. And, you know, when you look at it of those 86, it's, it's almost 50-50 uh, wow. side of it. So you're, you're 100% correct. Wow. Yeah, and I'll have to give Greg and his team a lot of kudos. You know, some of the innovation we're coming up with to where they're, you know, we've got a great competition between protection and production between his brand managers. But sure. there's kind of an in-between space, you know, to where we're putting those two together and really, really getting some um, unique products that, that perform very differently. So I, I, I mean, he hadn't talked a lot about it, but that's a, yeah, that that's a space I think his team is really uh, going to pioneer some things for the marketplace. You know, guys, as we start to wrap things up here, I think it's really, really important that we talk about what brings all of this together, all of this formulation technology, all of the research, all of the, the history, the distribution. It's really comes back to the people, and and the way. Helena Products Group is staffed is very unique compared to a lot of other companies out there. Essentially, we've got uh, product managers are out across the nation supporting these products, right? Yeah, it's it's has a easily explained. It's kind of like a basic and how they they go out go to market strategy. We have we call them a client service team and and that actually service the Helena Products lineup. We have a 
a staff that's obviously in here that um, is in charge of developing it and then walking it through the commercialization process. And then we still actually follow it all the way through and look after it while it's in that life cycle. So, but there's a, there's a actual sales force of, I don't know, Patrick, what is there? Almost 40 uh, product managers in the field. You know, I think there's four in the specialty department, 30, 33 to 34 product managers across the U S and then we have our, our client service team that's here. That's what, 20, roughly 20 people around 20 or so. Yeah. Yeah. I think we got 58 in Helena products, you know, you got nine registration that's here on site that works across the corporate, uh, roughly 33 in row crop agriculture on product managers. And then we've got our specialty PMs around, around 38 to 40. But one thing I would say is we're lean, but we can be lean because we've got a tremendous team of folks out at our retail locations and right. our business units that, uh, really make it happen each day. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we wake up every day thinking about how we can bring better support to them. Um, and, and you mentioned people. You know, one thing I would say about Helena Products here is we want to attract the best people. We want to grow our people. We want a very inclusive environment. You know, you go through the year, we've got a lot of whiteboards. Uh, we need ideas. Mm-hmm. We need to board them out. We need people to share them. And um, I, I think we've got a lot of momentum in that space to somebody may go home one night and think about something, but, you know, they're energized to come back the next day and say, hey, have you guys thought about this? That, that's what makes us different. And when I say we've got people motivated to make a difference, I mean that. Uh, but it's, it's all around people, ideas. That's what helps us bring the products and services that we've got. Yeah, we started off the interview with, you asked us, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and why we came on board because we, you know, obviously had different jobs before we started here and, and it was the people, you know, so we're back talking about that. And and ultimately, I, th- I think, you know, Patrick's mentioned it, it's it's whether it's the R&D team to the, you know, Trey Baker and Jen Bear on the, on the lab side and their team and, and whether it's Fix or Carla, you know, we, we have a great, great group of, of people and, and our brand managers and uh, do a fantastic job. So, um, and, they're, and they're, you know, Patrick said it, we're lean, we're, we're, we're inundated w- with stuff and, and we're managing that thing from inception and still while it's going through commercialization. So we're doing the marketing and working with, you know, your group. And so it's, it, there's a lot on people's plates, but we, we're, we get it done with uh, with us with a small group, and without them, <laughs> that's right. Um, you know, we're 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 not much, and, and that's that that goes and says something. And then obviously, it's the sales folks uh, out there because we're just a, a service provider, right? Definitely a, a great opportunity for growers to experience the Helena products based on the commitment that your team, Greg, has, and 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 as well as Patrick, you know, the folks in the field that are going to deliver that value on a daily basis and, and really be those local experts about some of these products. So, guys, I want to thank you for joining us here today on FieldLink uh, and sharing some further insight about the Helena Products Group and some of the, some of the products that can help make growers' lives easier and more profitable. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to FieldLink Podcast. Bill is on the road today, so this is Jody Lawrence filling in for both roles. And I'm going to do something a little different today. It's, uh, what, February 5th. Hard to believe we're already uh, through January and the winter is flying by and that we're, you know, anywhere from, uh, you know, six to eight weeks from some of you getting in the field. So uh, always a hectic time of the year. And what we are finding, we've already done 20 some odd meetings uh, out and around a lot through Illinois, Indiana and kind of central Corn Belt. And I wanted to come in today and tell you what my other farmers and the meeting participants, the questions they were asking, the things that they were seeing from their own yields and their own surprises and talk about the markets a little bit. I'm trying to stay away from the ultra depressing news because 
the markets have been in a pretty bad downtrend since the weather uh, scare ended in northern Brazil a little bit before Thanksgiving. And uh, it's really one of those things that it's uh, it's frustrating to see prices where they are. You know, old crop corn down around 450, old crop beans around uh, around uh, 12 bucks and uh, new crop beans dipping below uh, $12. But the, the reality is what we're fighting this year and what we've really been fighting over the last eight weeks is the fact that the three major producers of their uh, respective crops, Russia for wheat, Brazil for soybeans, and the United States for corn, all three of them produced record yields. So it's an anomaly that world agriculture production does not have somebody that comes up a little bit short. But when you get everything together, like we did this year, just enough rain, just enough good weather, timely rain, certainly in the case of the United States crop, that we always have the potential that this could happen. And this is one of those rare years. So first of all, it's congratulations for every U.S. farmer because I've not talked to a farmer who didn't have a record field yield, didn't have a record total farm yield, you know, across several different of his crops. And it just shows the way the new technology is manifesting itself when we get enough rain, the new genetics in the seed, all of the hard work that each one of you are putting in by going to meetings, learning new things and implementing new trials and new products into your rotation, that when we do have a Goldilocks type situation, and now it's around the world, that we can see because of Brazil's acreage expansion and potentially because of Russia's acreage expansion this year, that we can see these yields uh, continue to trend higher on the bit, you know, just on the fact that that's where the industry is heading. So congratulations to everybody, but it's also the double-edged sword of American agriculture that when the United States farmer does a really good job, the bottom line ends up being negatively affected because prices certainly go down because the oversupply. And the supply issue is in part because of one very strange thing that has, uh, hasn't happened in decades that I can remember if it's ever happened, that you have the Chinese stock market over the past couple of weeks hitting new five-year lows. And you've got to think about how far that goes back. That goes back before COVID. It goes back before or right in the middle of African swine fever that you have China hitting some uh, you know, a record bad uh, you know run of economic uh, of economic results certainly COVID added to it while the U.S. stock market seems to be making across all the indexes whether it's the Nasdaq S and P or Dow making new all time highs just about every day despite the fact that rates were raised so significantly over the last eighteen months so with you know pretty much a seven percent mortgage rates and all-time highs and unemployment in the U.S. economy kicking along. We've got a real interesting dynamic, especially when our biggest customer in China is in the middle of what a lot of them are calling, you know, recession bordering on the edge of depression because you've been through almost 20 quarters now in their economic cycle. So uh, a lot of I guess, unprecedented uh, events are running into each other. And that's what we're talking about on the road. It's, you know, the high interest rates. What are, you know, what are we doing? Why, you know, what am I doing storing grain? Why should I be storing grain? And the the things we've talked about, you know, on other podcasts, but we've really gotten to the point where you have to calculate out what your, uh, interest expense truly is, are you paying the bank to store your own grain? And what I mean by that is, are you holding on to grain that you wish you had sold, uh, you know, a, a six weeks, eight weeks, you know, a dollar ago price level? 
while you still hold on to an eight or nine percent interest rate and a loan at the bank that, you know, you're in a situation where uh, thinking about cash management and ending the the interest rate clock from ticking should be a real priority. And that's something we've talked about at a lot of our meetings and gone into several examples that it just, uh, you know, it doesn't pay to be storing any grain right now because interest rates have rallied so, uh, you know, so far, so fast, while prices have fallen so far, so fast. Uh, Other questions that we've been getting is, why do land values continue to go up when the price of corn is down and, you know, corn and beans are both down and the interest rates are higher? And what we're finding is that when you see the kind of yields that we got out of the corn crop this year, a record bushel per acre yield at 177.3, that as long as the productivity of the ground continues to get bigger and bigger every year, you're in a position that somebody is willing to pay more for it because those extra yields are going to impact. And that's why rents continue to go up because they're all calculated, or at least just the the base cash rents are calculated by APHs and other factors like that. So a lot of different things going on right now. Uh, I would love to tell you that this is going to end and things are going to get significantly better, but the world ending stocks have gotten almost to the point of being overly burdensome. You look at Russia and and their supply of wheat that they are still uh, discounting into the market. You look at what's going on in Brazil with you know, their expansion of acreage, even if they lose some yield per acre, they still have an enormous crop. And Argentina is also bouncing back after two years worth of really bad drought. So the world just has too much production right now for the demand profile. And this, it isn't all because of China, but it certainly has a a good bit to do with it because their demand is still strong. It's just not keeping up with the record yields this year. A couple other things that we've talked about are the volatility in crude oil, uh, which directly affects the price of diesel. We've had crude oil trading anywhere between 68 and $78 over the course of the last six weeks. To This morning, it dipped down to uh, at, at right at 71 again before turning around and rallying. Go ahead and hedge all your diesel, top off your tanks, because what we know with what's going on in the Middle East, that if things get worse, crude oil prices can go up much quicker than they will come down. And we could easily see diesel where it's trading now at about 255 to 260 a gallon on the futures contract put in a 40, 50 cent rally because crude oil rallies 10 to $12 because of the issues that are going on in the Red Sea with the attacks on the shipping lanes and with the Gaza Hamas and just the other issues that are constant in the Middle East when you have, you know, the, the U.S. has to have military intervention in it to control it. So those are things right now that we're really looking at. We are optimistic as we move forward, as we see EPA approvals and plants opening up, uh, the the crush plants that are going to be making the biodiesel jet fuel, that this is going to be helpful. It's not going to be immediately helpful, but it's certainly something that over the next 12 to 24 months will begin to shape the acreage, the planted acreage decisions for uh, U.S. producers to a point where we may get back to what we saw a couple of years ago, a years ago where there's a parity of, you know, 88 million acres, 88 and a half, uh, a piece of corn and beans that helps uh, chew through the corn stock, uh, extra stocks, but also 
the extra demand from the jet fuel, the biodiesel jet fuel aviation fuel uh, programs that are coming online. So we're optimistic about that in the long term. And this week on Thursday, February 8th, there's going to be a huge amount of information that hits the market. So expect some volatility. We're going to see the February USDA report update supply and demand. We're going to see Brazil's USDA CONAB update their estimate on Brazil's corn and bean crops, which we expect to be cut because of the early season drought. And we also expect Stats Canada to update just about every column they have for all of their crops. So Thursday could be a particularly volatile day. And this market obviously needs a couple jolts because the funds are still ridiculously long. And if we can move forward from there and get these markets to bottom as we head in to uh, spring planting, we're in a position where we would love to see a South American weather rally to help everybody feel a little bit better and be in a position to get rid of some of these old crop bushels. So those are the topics we're seeing on the road. We've got another couple months of meetings. Hope everybody is getting something out of the podcast and please reach out to me if you have any particular questions at jblawrence at comcast.net or you're always welcome to call my office phone 615-591-4621.